0: Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's
1: message. All right, if you have your notes, the book of Galatians, and uh, we're in chapter 5, beginning in chapter 5, and we're just going to cover the first four verses of this chapter. And if you um, will, take your Bible, turn to chapter 5, and look there in verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ become of no effect unto you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Powerful little words. Powerful words. And you'll notice in your notes there, Galatians chapter 5, liberty and not legalism. The teaching of Calvinism is God is so sovereign that he did not choose to give man a free will. And so therefore everything that happens is the will of God. Because God does not give us the opportunity to go against our defied God by removing our choice. And yet you cannot read the scriptures without seeing choice, choice, choice all over the place. And so if Calvinism is true, then God could not in his sovereignty choose to give man a free will. But that means that um, God did not and cannot trust man with a free will because that means that man can then defy the will of God. Because if God gave us a free will, then we can choose to not obey His will. And so therefore they choose to believe that God chose who He wants to be saved. He saves them and then gives them the Holy Spirit. And then, because now they're saved, they can believe on Him. And so faith becomes the gift. And faith is not the gift. And so we'll look at that in just a moment. But look there in verse 1. Stand fast therefore in the liberty... If that's a choice, then man has a free will. Where with Christ hath made us free and be not entangled, that's a choice. So you can choose to stand fast. You can choose not to be entangled with the lust of the flesh. And so the question always comes down to is grace versus works or grace versus law. And so the battle is on. Now look there in your notes and you'll notice there in verse, or I should say number two, going down your page. Therefore stand fast in the freedom you have in Christ. In other words, Jesus Christ went to the cross, paid for our sin so that we could be free from our sinful nature. Why? By paying our debt. So I owed a debt and I should pay for it. And so he did it and removed me from the curse of the law. So if I'm free from the curse of the law, why go back to the law? It's like here's a little baby, and he's grown up, and now that he's an adult, you want to go back to being a baby. Well, that's kind of stupid. Now, there are some people who believe in I guess that's why they call it the second childhood. But now notice There is a verse that I uh, have circled on my notes, but you don't have it circled on your notes. And that's the verse, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14. See, God wants us to reach into the measure of His Son and not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that comes along. So, by being strong and steadfast on what the gospel is, it becomes the light by which you can discern the rest of Scripture. So if you get moved away from the gospel, that changes everything. When you add any works to the gospel, before, during, and after, regardless of where you want to load it, it still has nothing to do with the gospel, and it changes Scripture. Then you have to begin to look at everything in a different manner. And so it removes what we call the joy of the Spirit, So when he says, don't be entangled with the yoke of bondage, it means to stay free. Stay free means in chapter 5, the Holy Spirit will lead, guide, and direct you, and you can have the fruits of the Spirit. So if you look there in chapter 5 and verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, or self control that's why he says, against such there is no law. There's no law against that. That's because you're free from the law. The law cannot give you the fruit of the Spirit. So, if you want to know what it does bring, look there in verse 19. Because this is what the flesh does. And when the flesh, you walk in your old sinful nature, it's going to bring forth the fruits or the works of the flesh. In verse 18, it says, but if you be led by the Spirit or of the Spirit, you are not under the law. But if you walk in the flesh, you place yourself back under the law because the law condemns the deeds of the flesh. And look what the flesh brings forth. So as a believer, you can walk in the Spirit and have the fruit of the Spirit, or you can walk in the flesh, which is under the law, and be under a curse. So how do you want to live your life? So that's why these two things are mentioned in this chapter. And it's very good to keep in mind. But now notice the little phrase there. Your root, like a tree, are anchored to something solid. You ought to underline that. Now I'm saying underline because this is a lecture that the kids are going to have to be responsible for and to remember. And they just just it to be on a test. Letter B the something that you must anchor to are, and you on the line, is verses of Scripture. So as a child of God, your faith must be anchored to something, and that's verses of Scripture. When we talk about salvation, like kids used to go to camp, we'd always give them salvation verses. And if they learn those salvation verses, that helps them that when they leave camp, They may not know a lot about a lot of things, but they know they're saved, they know they're going to heaven, and they know some salvation verses because they have memorized them. They've learned those verses. Also, when we talk about service verses, you know, verses that deals with you serving the Lord. So there's some verses about that. So we want the kids to underline and memorize, and so that's what they do at camp. We want them to anchor their souls around those verses So that when they leave and there's winds of doctrine that come along, it doesn't uproot them because they're anchored. And so this is what Paul is talking about to them. How soon you are removed. So they weren't as deep in the word of God as perhaps Paul thought or they thought because they were being moved on the gospel and on the Christian life. Two things that are so important in our life. How do we tell people how to go to heaven? That's number one. And number two, how do you tell a Christian how to live? And so uh, this is why this is so important. Now, you'll notice there, the next statement, all Scripture that connects with the Gospel must, and you ought to underline this, must be interpreted and understood through the Gospel of grace by faith alone. That becomes the light or the lens by which you study the rest of Scripture. If you get salvation wrong, you're going to get an awful lot wrong. You're going to get your destiny wrong. And this is why this is so important. So, number three there, therefore stand in grace. That's what we receive. Stand in faith. That's how we receive. This is why we say you're saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone for the glory of God alone. And therefore, number six, Stand in the power of God, what faith is founded upon. And Romans 1.16 is a verse that I would underline because there's a lot of verses, but you can't get them all. But make sure you know Romans 1.16. And we do quote that verse just about every Sunday morning. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is the power of God. So there's power in the gospel If it doesn't have works added to it. You add works to it, you have just diluted the gospel and it has no purity, it has no power. So, therefore, you don't want to add works to the gospel, which is what these legalistic Judaizers were doing. Now, notice the next statement. And you ought to underline these three things there. In A, B, C, we are not saved by keeping the law. Nobody has ever been saved because they earned it. So, Paul is letting them know, you're not saved by the law. Don't try to tell people they're saved by the law or by their works. It's the same thing, works and law. It means you've got to do something, stop something or do something in order to be saved. So, you're not saved by keeping the law. You are not kept saved by keeping the law. And you do not serve God by keeping the law. My life is not a negative life as I get up every morning and I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't do this, I don't do that. No, it's what I do that's positive. The law killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. It is a challenging, motivating force in a person's life because the Holy Spirit is shed abroad in heart by love. When you love the Lord, then you love that which God loves. And if you love the Lord, then you hate what God hates, and God hates sin. So loving the Lord is the biggest motivating factor in a person's life. The law produced fear. Because now I've got to keep the law. And if I don't keep the law, that's a sign that I wasn't really saved. Because that's what the Calvinists would teach. See, Calvinism today is the same as what was taught by these legalistic Judaizers 2,000 years ago. It's no difference. Different little wording, but it means the same thing. So you stay away from Calvinistic teaching. Now look at the next statement. Number seven there, Paul says to the Colossians, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 to 23, even the Jewish people were told to forget the law as a means for salvation and as a means to spirituality. You're not spiritual just because you don't do certain things. Because that is a walk and an attitude you have between you and the Lord. Mind the spirit and you'll be spiritually minded. Mind the flesh, you'll be fleshly minded. So you got two births, two minds. So as a child of God, you can either mind what God says or the will of the flesh. And so these choices that you have. And that's why Calvinism cannot work because Calvinism does not believe that you can have, well, these two births. They don't believe that you have these two different natures. Therefore, they don't believe that you can have a, and be a carnal Christian. So they'll teach against being a carnal Christian because you're either lost or you're spiritual. And if you're saved, then you cannot be lost. And if you're saved, you cannot be carnal because that means you, well, what are you doing with this old sinful nature? And therefore, because now you are saved, you are going to persevere. In the faith. That means you're going to automatically, you're going to serve the Lord. And if you don't automatically serve God, then that was a sign. You're not really saved. So you've got to start all over again. And how many times people got? well, i got to start over again. In other words, I wasn't really saved, so i got to get really saved this time. Oh, i got to really mean business this time. And there's a lot of evangelists that preach that. Up there in Athens, Georgia, there was the uh, church, and it was the... Uh, I see the first uh, Baptist church there, and I used to know the preacher, but after a while I don't remember him. But they used to be uh, the Prince Avenue Baptist Church. And um, they had a, an evangelist come in. And this evangelist got up there and he preached and he ripped and snorted and, and he powered and pounded the pulpit and knocked. And next thing you know, he got half their deacon board saved. He got some of the Sunday school teachers saved. And he got half the people in the church saved. And uh, because now they really got saved because if you're really saved, you won't be watching TV. And if you're really saved, you don't go to movies. If you're really saved, you don't drink. If you're really saved, you don't smoke. And if you're really saved, and you will go to church, and you will read your Bible, and you will give. If you're really saved, well, here's people sitting there saying, well, I must not be saved. Because what does it do? Causes people to doubt their salvation. And that's what this kind of teaching can do, because it's legalism, it's putting people under the law, which means you must perform, or that's a sign you're not really saved. And if you're not really saved, you better get saved. This time, you got to really mean it and try harder. No, it's by grace. It's free. It's free. You don't have to do anything. You mean a person can trust Christ as Savior, have eternal life, and not have to go to church? Of course. You don't have to go to church to go to heaven. And you don't have to do anything to go to heaven. Because it's, it's free. And people can't believe that God gives people this choice. But that's exactly what he does. He gives choice. So look down at the bottom of your page. Liberty means freedom. Jesus Christ freed all men from the bondage of the law. But not all men will respond. They choose to stay in prison. See, some people accept the payment Christ made and they go free. Some people remain in prison because they refuse to accept the pardon that God's already made for them. And they can reject it. And so the payment Christ made is not put to their account because they refuse to believe it. So they remain in prison. They're a lost man. They were born in sin. They live in sin. And they will die in sin. But when you trust Christ as Savior, God has made you free from that prison and set you free. That's what the word redeem means, to be made Free, paid for your sin, and set free. So now I am free to serve God. But God gave me a choice. And this is why it's so important. So look there at number two at the bottom of the page. Liberty frees from the law. It is used in contrast to the concept of slavery. Remember what is the meaning of redeem? To purchase a slave for the purpose of setting him free. Now that little phrase, you ought to underline that. Because it might come in handy if you ever had to take the test. Now look at the next statement. Letter B. Why be entangled with the yoke of bondage? Why do you want to do that? Why would you want to go back and be underneath the law? Did the other apostles in Jerusalem, did they put people underneath the Old Testament law? No, they did not. So take your Bible and let's just look at it real quick. Look there in the book of Acts in chapter 15. The book of Acts in chapter 15. This is on page 1169 in a church Bible. But chapter 15, and look there in verse 7. There had come up a dispute. Do you take these Christians and put them underneath the Jewish law? Well... They had the Jewish law for 1,500 years and never kept it. And it was nothing but a burden to them. So he says in verse 7, And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and he said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us, that the Gentiles, and that's those that are not Jewish, Gentiles, by my mouth, should hear the word of the gospel and keep the Ten Commandments and all the law and give, you know, 50% to Calvary Community Church. No, hear the word of the gospel and do what? Believe, that's all. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did another. Does God know who believes and who doesn't believe? Now, we can fool each other, but can you fool God? (laughs) no. So he says in verse 9, and put no difference between us and them, Jews and Gentiles, no difference. Purifying their hearts by faith, not by the law. Jewish people had the law. The nation of Israel had been given the law. But nobody ever kept the law in order to be saved. So if nobody ever could keep the law in order to be saved, why do you want to take Gentiles who can be saved by faith and faith alone and put them under the law? So you've got to keep the law to be saved. Why do you hate them? You didn't do it. So he says in verse 10, Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples? Because that's what the law does. When you tell people they have to be good to go to heaven, you just put a yoke of iron upon their neck. Now they have to perform and carry this burden and perform. And if they don't live right, then that law will destroy them. Now is that freedom? No, that's not freedom. And it doesn't give them any salvation. Why? Because nobody can be saved by their works. So he says here, Neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. We nor our fathers, since the law was given, ever kept the law in order to be saved. Now look what it says in verse 11. But we believe that through the, what's that next word? Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they, the Jews would be saved just like the Gentiles by grace. You mean it's free because if it's by grace, it cannot be by works. And if it's by works, it cannot be by grace. And therefore Romans chapter 11 and verse six states that very, very clearly. Now look at number three at the bottom of the page. Liberty is only liberty if a man has a free will to choose. Liberty is founded upon free will. It presumes that there can be a choice. Now look at page 2. Page 2. And you'll notice at the top of the page, liberty establishes the free will to choose. Now, Calvinism removes free will from man. For example, here's all the world. There's the world right here. And I'm God. <clears throat> and I'm going to choose Bob to go to heaven. I'll choose uh, Warren to go to heaven. And uh, I'll even choose uh, uh, Bo over there to go to heaven. And, uh, well, I'll choose her to go to heaven. And uh, I'll choose her to go to heaven. And, well, the rest of you can go to hell. Now, see, you didn't have to choose. Because I chose for you. So you didn't choose anything. Now, the only way they're going to be saved because I've got to save them and then give them the Holy Spirit so that they'll believe. So, see, salvation comes first before they ever believe. That's backwards. And the rest of you, it won't matter what you do. You can't be saved because I didn't choose you. You see, that's because of the predestination of God and the sovereignty of God. In other words, I can do anything I want. And is it wrong for me to choose 10 of you to go to heaven? Before, all of you were going to hell. Now 10 are going to heaven. Aren't you glad? Isn't this wonderful? That's okay if, if you're one of the ones that he chose. But what if he, you're not one of those that he chose? And then there's pressure upon the 10 that I chose for this reason. How do they know I really chose them? Well, they don't know for sure I chose them. They just believe I chose them. But they got to prove that I chose them by persevering in the faith because, I mean, I'm not going to save anybody and then let them just live any way they want to live. Because of the sovereignty of God. And the rest of y'all, you don't even have a choice. So you didn't have a choice about going to hell. And the ones that I chose, well, they didn't have a choice about going to heaven. So that is a wrong teaching. That's Calvinism. It's not worth a quarter. It's not in the Bible, and it's satanic. It's wicked. So, see, the Calvinists say this, and we, we, we teach, God in his sovereignty chose to give man a free will. Well, see, they said, well, then you can't do that. Because that means that man can defy God. And if he does against the will of God, then he might do something that's not the will of God, then everything can't be the will of God. And if God doesn't have his will done in everybody's life, then God can't be in charge because he can't be sovereign if he gives man a free will because you can choose to disobey. Well, did God give us a free will or not? You look at the scripture, whosoever believeth, that's a choice. You can choose to believe. This is what these scriptures are talking about. You have a choice now. After you trust Christ as Savior, you can walk in the spirit, spiritual birth. You can walk in the flesh, flesh birth. And whichever one you decide, there are results, there's consequences. There is the works of the flesh, works of the flesh, and they're bad. And there's the fruit of the spirit, and they're good. So don't be deceived. God is not mocked whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. But see, they try to now everything's the will of God. It's almost, it's almost like the religion of Islam. Everything that happens, Allah wills it. Allah wills it. It's the will of Allah. Bow, I just shot my wife. It's the will of Allah. Because you can't go against God. So whatever you did must have been the will of God. That's nuts. So you don't believe that. So in this one statement here, at the top of the page, Calvinists wrestle with the concept of man's free will and God's sovereignty. They cannot see how the free will of man can be more powerful than God or the Calvinistic God. Because God... Can't give man a free will because that makes man able to make choices contrary to God. Then man becomes mightier than God. No, God has laid down some um, consequences to our decisions. Can God allow you to make the decisions and then God give you according to your decision? Can you decide to live in sin? Yes, you can decide to live in sin. But God can determine what kind of punishment he's going to give to you because of your choice. So can you live as you please? You can live as you please. And God is free to bring into your life the consequences of your choices. There's nothing wrong with God doing this. Look at number six. Liberty in Christ allows for profit. That means to get more And better decisions down the road. The reason we learn and study from the Word of God is so we can have greater judgment and discernment and making better decisions because we want better results in our life. Because I wanted God to bless my life, then I have to live in such a way that can produce God's blessings. I also know that my Heavenly Father, who loves me, that if I disobey Him because He loves me, He's going to chasten my life. And God is free to chasten me or take me home before my time. Well, since I know the Lord and I have been whooped before from my earthly father, I know what whoopings are like. This is why today we're ruining kids because they can do whatever they want to do and no consequences. And so they believe they can do the same thing with God and no consequences. But there are consequences. And some of them will learn the hard way. Now, number seven is a very important point I want to bring out here. Liberty reveals God's love. Greater love hath no man than choosing to lay down his life for his friends. Now, that's what he's talking about. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life. But it's got to be a choice because it has to reveal that the man voluntarily chose to lay down his life for his friends, not because of a law that made you do it. Because if it was the law that made you do it, it cannot reveal your love for the person that you did it for, if you had to do it without choice. would take my place.
0: Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible.
1: And every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up.
0: Amazing grace
1: amazes me.